Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So all day long, we all see things that are quirky or interesting to us. I decided, okay, for the first part of this day, I'm going to just write down everything or some of the things that were unusual or interesting for me to see and learn. And then I always forget them. So I figured, okay, I'll write them down and that's way I'll remember them. And some of these are pretty interesting, but I'm going to start it off and Jay, you might pipe in if something. <laughs> I have questions. Where do you find all this thing? Like you don't just go around read books. I mean, you read tons of books, right? But like, I honestly that day it's don't remember. I can't remember things anymore. <laughs> like, like, how do you just go to like a like a website? Like, which website do you go to to learn about all these things? It's not just regular thing. It's just weirdest thing that I don't even think. I of. think I think of questions, and this is how in general I think of questions, and then I Google to learn the answer, or I'll see an article, and that article will lead to other articles. I don't know. Let's see if we can connect the dots. Here's some things I learned yes. in the past day. Yeah, because like, let's talk about the first one because you sent me the list, right? So like, so I get to see beforehand. I will let you talk about the first one and then I want to, I have questions about the first one. Okay, so basically in the first one, this is this leads to the fact that the human race is dying out. And and the reason is not because of any of the obvious reasons like nuclear war or or, you know, climate change or anything like that. But basically we don't have enough kids to replace the adults. So two adults are needed to make a kid. So every two adults should try to have at least a little more than two kids because some kids die. So right. basically with today's population growth and the mortality rate of babies to sustain a population, to keep it just level, like every woman needs to have 2.1 babies. That's just the bare minimum. And on average, I mean, some women might have four, some might have zero, but on average, every woman needs to have 2.1 babies in order for a population to stay at the same level generation after generation. And now for the world, I don't know what it is. It's higher than 2.1 because the population is growing, but that's because of developing countries. But in the U.S., the number is not 2.1, it's 1.6. I don't know how many generations that gives us, but like in five or six generations, we're gonna have significantly, if this remains the same, that if on average, if every woman has only 1.6 babies instead of 2.1, the US population will shrink unless there's immigration. So the question is, do you just sit around and say, should I have more babies? And then you just start finding. I think I was researching how Japan for a long time has not, they, they haven't, I don't know what it is, but they've had population, they, they've had an, an aging population. So not enough young kids are born and everybody's getting older. So the population hasn't gone down necessarily because people are living longer, but there's not enough kids. Once the older people die off, there's not enough kids and there's not enough like middle-aged adults to support the older people who are retired, which is why Japan's in this constant kind of, it's sort of like in a permanent recession. And right. uh, because, you know, yeah. if I, everybody is 90 years old and the 30-year-olds 
are paying taxes to support the 90 years olds. And, and that, that means there's all these non-productive people in society. Not that older people aren't productive, like they give advice and mentoring and so on, but they're not building cars or computers or anything like that. Right. So I remember reading somewhere that even the prime minister of Japan urging young people having more sex, to have more sex. Just like God. God said, be fruitful <laughs> and multiply. And that is a commandment for a reason or else the human race disappears. So again, right. in the US, it's 1.6. Europe and China come in at 1.5 and 1.3. Now, mm. I don't know. Uh, Europe, I remember reading this about Italy. I didn't know it was across all Europe, and but it turns out to be. And China, I guess, because of their one or two child policy. One child. You know, and because of the fact that they have so much emphasis on just having boys, I think there's various issues where they're coming in now even lower than the government wanted. So these are serious right. problems. But I don't care about them. I, but I wonder what the world's going to be like four or five generations from now if the population is going to actually start shrinking in unhealthy ways. So something to keep in mind. Right. Like, what, what can they do to solve this problem? Because I felt like younger people, like, like for me, like I don't want to have more than one, one children, you know? Like having more children, it's ex one, is expensive. Two, is stressful. And three, is I felt like we are just getting older and older before we get married. Well, that, well that's kids. what's happening in the U.S. is that, first off, people used to have like five or six kids because there was a lot of kids would die in when they were young and then they stopped dying. And so that, you know, the population grew very quickly in the U.S. because uh, of medical technology improving. And then people started having less kids as a natural result. But now I think because of career stuff, People are getting, you know, focusing on their career early on and having fewer and fewer kids, or having their, or they're having their kids later in life, so not as much opportunity to have like three kids. But it reminds me, it, you kind of have to encourage more happy accidents. So I don't know if I told you this story. I was in an Uber. I was coming home from Dallas, where I played in a recent tournament, and I was in an Uber, and the Uber driver. I don't know how we got started talking. The Uber driver started telling me how he just discovered he had, and he was like 60 years old. He just discovered he had a fully grown another child. <laughs> and what? Yeah, he had a child that he didn't know about. And his son called him up. His son was like in Afghanistan and his son, you know, in the military. His son calls him up and says, Dad, you didn't tell me I had a brother. And the driver was telling me, he, I said to my son, what the hell are you talking about? And the son said, yeah, this guy called me up and said he was linked to me on like 23andMe and he's my brother <laughs> through you. You're the father. And the Uber driver like turns to me, he knows my name because it's on the Uber app. And he says, James, I tell you, I was surprised as hell. Like nobody had told me I had this kid. Then he, he found out the whole story. This girl, he fooled around with in high school. Like, you know, she was from another school. She was at like a high school dance. They went in the bushes. One thing led to another and he never saw this girl again. And well, she had moved away and had a kid from him. Oh, she never contacted him or anything. But I remember one thing he told me, he said, you know, the funny thing is I was always carrying a condom around in my wallet just in case something like this happened. And my mom saw the condom in the wallet six months earlier before this incident at the dance. My mom saw the condom in the wallet and she, she threw it out. She yelled at me. She said, what is this? She threw it out. And I said to him, you mean your mom actually thought you, a 17-year-old at the time, would, would, that would make you not have sex with another willing 17-year-old if you simply didn't have a condom. Like she thought that would dissuade you because you would be right. responsible and make the correct decision. And he was like, that's what she thought. And she was wrong. It was, uh, you know, I still, condom or not, I, nothing was going to stop me. And uh, so that kid has a whole other son now that he's getting to know. But the point is, hmm. just got to have more accidents like that. And that that's how you increase the population. I felt like it's it's both there's pros and cons in the accident, right? You, you, it's a good accident if both sides has consensus. 
like both sides consent to there's it. no it's yeah. not a happy accident if it was rape <laughs> that's yeah so, right yes yeah, so I, I just want to put it out there but but the whole thing yeah. is, is that okay he didn't know he had a son but she might not have known who the father was right but you know 23 and me is discovered something like three yeah. percent of the people who use 23 and me discover that the people they thought were their dads are not their real dads all right james i have a very very dilemma type of question to ask yes you. This is going to be dark very quickly. Okay, go for it. So if you were dating someone, you fool around, of course you fool around or whatever. And then all of a sudden you found out there were your siblings. What would you do? Would you stop right away or you would you keep dating him? Uh, you know, I don't know. Because let's say we didn't plan on having kids. Uh, and let's say we weren't right. raised together. Let's say we were going out for two years. Right. So... First off, the thought of going out with any of my siblings repulses me completely, mostly because of my siblings. Mm -hmm. But the reality is if I knew someone as, actually, I, we, I would just instantly stop it. It's too weird. Mm. Well, because like, because like, because you didn't know, right? Like, so let's say like both of you, okay, so let's say both of you do know your father at all. Like all of a sudden, it's just that no, you start, you repulsive. do like 23 and me. The thought of it is too repulsive. If I found out something like so that, you would stop right away. I would just end it. Even though if you've dated five years. No, ago. definitely not. I would okay. end it. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I think depends how the relationship go because I felt like if you never, if you didn't grow up with someone, I felt like it, I don't know. Like I, I felt like it's weird too. So that's why I say it's going to get dark very quickly. I, I myself think I might be still going to keep going because five years in, if you didn't know that, what good does it do you if you know it right now, right? If you, if you don't plan to have kids, so you probably ne never going to plan to have kids anymore. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's just what I thought. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess technically, if two siblings don't know their siblings and they agree not to have kids, there really shouldn't be a problem with it. But there, there is a reason why biologically siblings shouldn't date. And we don't know all the reasons, but one reason is because when they have kids, the kids could be m messed up. So... Uh, is it is it the first generations get messed up or is it like have to be... No, no. That's why so many royal families have problems because... They're all they're all dating not just their siblings but their cousins, which is you know several generations, you know two generations away instead of one generation. Um, so this is what I learned that is that interracial dating is probably the best. <laughs> you just yeah, you just know, know you just sure. never run, into but maybe not. Maybe you don't know yeah. for sure. You never know. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any ex modern examples, but I can't really see, find any. Yeah, well, because my girlfriend asked me because she apparently she saw it on her Facebook that these two guys, these two guys dating, dated, and then they found out they were brothers. Yeah. So, I mean, and then they wrote a, that's why she asked me about it. Uh, so look, I'm looking at an article that was written in June, 2022 that here's, but here's two, here is there two girls. They were dating for two years. And they found out that they might be half siblings because after they found out their mothers had relations with the same man. So they might be half siblings. Um, yeah. And let me see uh, if there's uh, another example. This is how James Lim knew things every day. Yeah, just talking and then like just going down the rabbit hole. Let's not forget a very famous case, by the way, from the movies where two siblings kissed each other. And you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, yes. And the father was hunting them down. And then they hate the father. And then the father cut off the brother's hand. And then the brother and asking the brother to join the dark side or whatever. Yeah. Darth Vader. Because in Star <laughs> at the end of Star Wars, Luke and Leia had a kiss. And yeah. they never really addressed that afterwards. Because I think George Lucas didn't really know how Star Wars was going to turn out. And he he couldn't he couldn't get rid of that. That was the such a great ending to Empire Strikes Back, finding out that Darth Vader was Luke's father, but Luke and Leia shared a kiss. So that should never have happened. Um just a kiss. Kiss is nothing. Kiss is nothing. Yeah, who cares? Um <laughs> yeah. but Luke kind of had a crush on her though. 
He's like, oh wow, I gotta save the princess. Like he was, it 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 could be a brotherly crush. It's good brotherly, like sibling crush. Like I love my sister, or I love my brother. You know. You know now. But now that I love. think about it, though, you know, it was so clear when when Luke saw the hologram of her in the beginning of Star Wars, and then it was like, oh my god, she's beautiful. I've got to save her. Like Obi Wan Kenobi was right there. <laughs> And he was the one who, as babies, he took Luke to one planet and Leia to another planet so they wouldn't grow up together. So he was he was like grooming Luke to have sex with his sister. Yeah. Obi-Wan even met Leia. Yeah. When she was like 10. Oh, yeah, right. Because we they in in um Kenobi or Obi-Wan. whatever the whatever. Yeah, Kenobi, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he knew the whole thing. He knew, yeah, Luke, you love her, don't you? Let's go save her. <laughs> and so man. A lot of stuff. It's uh, Star Wars. It's Obi Wan's fault. Yeah, I know. So okay, the next thing I learned, I saw this graphic: the odds of death. So this is the odds. It's like the odds of dying by a motorcycle accident, the odds of dying from a medical procedure, the odds of dying from a lightning strike. So Jay, it's a hundred and one to one. Like one percent of people, I guess, die in motor vehicle accidents during their lives over a period of 77 years. I say the average life expectancy is 77 years. But I drive Tesla. It's going to be really safe. <laughs> no. You could drive basically blindfolded in a Tesla and supposedly <laughs> you won't get into an accident, right? How many people have died in Teslas? I don't know if you can ever find us that. Can you? Yeah. There's stats for everything. Let's see. Tesla deaths every year. Oh, it's only a couple. Yeah, there's only like, there's like been like eight so far this year. But that's, it's mostly because they always say it's like, like a speeding Tesla hits pedestrian. That's somebody's fault. Um, Tesla crashes into residence pool. That is not good, Jay. So, okay. But look, altogether, there's something like 50,000 deaths in the U.S. a year from car accidents. Eight from Tesla is not a bad result. I, I mean, all of those deaths are horrible and we're sad for them, but okay, is what it is. But let's compare that though. So again, there's a one, roughly a one in a hundred chance or a one percent chance every year. One out of a hundred and one would die. Okay, the odds of dying in a medical procedure, like a surgery, for instance, seven hundred ninety-eight to one. Okay, so I felt like it should be higher. I felt like I always heard about people like die from medical well, surgery. Have you ever like, had a surgery? Uh, no. I've never had surgery. So as long as you never have surgery, you're never going to die from surgical care. But we've all been in cars like thousands of times. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's much less for surgery. I mean, this kind of shows surgery is fairly safe. It's like everyone always when they go under, they like tell my kids I love them, but it's very rare. One in about eight hundred die during their lives from surgery. Alcohol poisoning right. is double that. One in sixteen hundred die from alcohol poisoning. So basically, this is a good way to avoid death. If you never have surgery, if you never get in a car, if you never drink alcohol, none of these things will happen to you. So one in sixteen hundred people die from alcohol poisoning. One in 138,000 die from lightning. I thought that would be higher. Well, it's not that easy. I mean, so for lightning, you also have to think about the, the geographical, right? Like how many people live on top of a mountain and how many people live at the low ground because, it's the, because the higher you go, the, the chances of you getting hit by a lightning is better. It's great. How come? Well, because uh, you're closer to the cloud. I could be bullshitting here, but uh, from what I understand is, you know, the, the charges will go to your body easier. So it's like the lightning seeks out the closest thing. Yeah. To to so if you're on the higher ground, right? That's why they they if you're on the higher ground, you get struck by lightning easier than when you're on the lower ground. Let me see. We should have Brian Kidding on for this. Yeah. Where's where's our Nobel prize Brian loser Ryan. when we need him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a shorter air gap between the lightning stroke. In the object, so I don't know why that makes a difference, but apparently, as, you want to get me a low ground. Exactly. Um, exactly. My 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 mom is a science teacher, so my science never failed. Oh, I didn't know that. What what type of science does she teach? A generous, generous. Oh, like high school kids, just like a primary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, one in ten thousand people. So if it so okay, wait, like, one in one hundred thirty-eight thousand lightning strike. Here's one: one in fifty-seven thousand eight hundred twenty-five. Die from a bee or a wasp sting. That's pretty scary. That and that's 
A one in 11,756 people died in an airplane accident. Okay. Which, again, I, this is my, I used to be afraid to fly. Like whenever there was turbulence, I was terrified. And the one thing now that it completely changed it within second, seconds. And this is why the importance of mindset, which we talk about in the podcast so much, is so important. Like I switched my mindset about turbulence and that as soon as there's turbulence, I want the airplane to crash. Like I want to land on the island of Lost. Remember the TV show Lost? Right, and yeah, so I yeah. hope that the airplane crashes so I could go to the island of Lost. So that's what I'm really praying for. And, I, and I've learned to love turbulence. So hopefully, good. everyone says, well, I don't want to be on a plane with you. And I always say to them, me thinking that I want a plane crash does not make the plane crash. That has never right. in the history of the universe yeah. ever made a plane crash. So it's just like if if you prey on a on a plane, it's never gonna make the plane any safer. Yes, exactly. So so one in eleven thousand airplane accident, very similar to that. One in ten thousand three hundred eighty six people die from drowning, other than in a pool. How do you drown? Uh, where do you, you drown? Uh, so like if you're in a river and it's a gushing river, then you drown in a gushing river. God, that's like sometimes, sometimes people, one, people don't know how to swim. Two, depends like the quality of the water. Like if the water is gushing and it's pulling you, it's hard for you to swim away from it. By the way, Alec Baldwin, very unlucky man. One in 7,998 people die from accidental firearm discharge. Didn't he, uh, was he, was he guilty? I think he well, was he guilty, right? shot the gun. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if he's guilty or not. I no, mean, I think... there was all... No, no, but like uh, the the court sentence as guilty. Oh, really? Is he going to jail? I don't know. Like, have you heard of any famous people go to jail? Um, rappers. They always put rappers in jail. <laughs> R. Kelly's yeah. going to jail. You got another fight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's it's pretty rare then for, to die from an accidental firearm discharge. You know, one in eight thousand, and Alec Baldwin is part of that. Choking on food, one in twenty seven hundred. The way that's that's ugly. I don't want to choke on food. Oh, drowning in a swimming pool as opposed to drowning in an ocean or a river. One in 5,882. No problem. Don't go in a swimming pool. You won't drown. Then go to swim. No. By the way, yeah. who drowns exactly. in a swimming pool? I guess like babies, but do other people drown in a swimming pool? Well, sometimes you get cramped, right? So like if you never warm up before you 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 dive in the pool or you never you never warm up properly, you get cramp and then you just can't swim and then you die, you get drowned in Oof, the pool. That's got to be a horrible way. I drowning yeah, seems to be a pretty horrible way to die. That's my uh, that's my odds of death chart. So on to the next one. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life. So much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I love. I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I of course the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much 
at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I was curious about this. There's this couple, the Gottmans, in, I think they're in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They meet thousands of married couples per year. And they could tell just at a glance if the couple is going to stay together or not. So they have- Wait, yeah. Really? We should get them on the podcast. Can you find them? I've, yeah, you have to send me the name. I wonder if that's a curse or that's a the blessing. Well, they use this ability that they've learned to help people. And so they have seven mm. principles for making a marriage work. Principle number one, sharing love maps, which is like telling the other person in the couple what you love and what you don't love. Number two, nurturing fondness and admiration. So even when you're feeling angry at the other person, which you invariably will cultivate, like always, always remind yourself that you admire this, this, this about the person and that you're fond of them and you became fond of them because for these reasons, number three, turn towards each other instead of away. So if something bothers you about the person, don't just ignore them or do the silent treatment, turn towards them and be loving and, you know, say, Hey, this bothers me and talk about it. And and remind each other you love each other. So turn towards each other instead of the silent treatment or the cold treatment or whatever. Let your partner influence you. Like if they make a suggestion, you should always consider it. And uh, so this is the this is the fourth principle for making a marriage work. Let your partner influence you. I, I when I was doing stand up comedy, I would always ask couples in the audience, you know, how long have you been together? And if somebody's been together like thirty years, I would say, what's your secret? And one guy once said. It's 90-10, 90% me doing the work, 10% her doing the work. And then she said, it's 90-10, 90% me doing the work, 10% him doing the work. So it's 90-10 on both sides. And I thought that was a good answer. Um, number five, solving your solvable problems. If, for instance, one side is Jewish, the other side is Catholic, that's a problem. Say, okay, maybe every other weekend we go to church, every other weekend we go to, I don't know, I'm just making it up. but solve your solvable problems. Or let's say one likes to travel, the other doesn't. Maybe you could say, hey, why don't you find some friends and go travel with them and I'll stay home and play chess on the computer. If it's Jewish and Catholic, do they celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas at the same time? Well, when I was married to a Catholic, the, my children's mother is is a Catholic we would oh. go to both things. We would go to like Passover dinners and Easter dinners and Christmas and all that, all that sort of good stuff. And it was really boring. I hated so all of it. But your kids are having fun because Maybe they're having fun. I mean, even Passover crazy. dinners are pretty boring, but you have to go to them. So overcoming gridlock, which basically if there's problems you can solve, you need methods for 
dealing with them because you're going to have to live with this person the rest of your life. So if you do have methods for dealing with them, that's important if you want to spend the rest of your life with someone. And creating shared meaning together. So kids are, for instance, an example of shared meaning. Oh, we want to raise kids together and raise them to be good adults. So that's shared meaning. Or, hey, we want to you know, make money in our career so we can be philanthropic. You know, we want to give to charity later. That's shared meaning. Or we we both believe in this political belief, so we'll share. It doesn't mean you always have to believe in the same things, but find meaning for your marriage. Just like in Viktor Frankl's book, Viktor Frankl survived Auschwitz by finding meaning for why he should survive. So one meaning, one thing he found was he wanted to see his wife again. Unfortunately, she died in a con another concentration camp and he never saw her again. But another thing that kept him going was he found meaning in was that he wanted to write this philosophy of finding meaning. He wrote man's search for meaning after Auschwitz. And so that kept him going. And so what they're basically saying there is, is not as, and by the way, I'm not comparing marriage to Auschwitz, although I have heard people compare it as such, but, uh, you know, as a married unit, find meaning for your marriage to keep going. So that, so those are Gottman's seven, the Gottman couple, that's their seven principles for making a marriage work. Right. So out of, out of us two, you have been married. Have, do you, do you find those works? Have you used those at all? Well, don't, I've been divorced twice. So I will say <laughs> not doing these will, could lead to divorce. But how are you doing this right now? I try to, I mean. Again, I just saw this list. So, and I think back, I don't, oh. I, I would say sometimes I don't do these things. And so I need to work, if, you know, assuming I want to stay with Robin, which I do, I need to start thinking of these a little bit more. I mean, everybody has their own methods for trying to stay in love. And some people, you know, love changes during a marriage. Some people just like that yeah. feelings of just, oh, it's new and fresh and exciting. Some people like that. And then they get tired very easily after that. Um, I don't think I'm like that. I think I like being with someone, but I would say, you know, sometimes I get upset and I'm a little more silent than other times. And I never thought about this idea of creating shared meaning together, but that seems really important. Um, letting your partner influence you. I definitely do that. Robin, I mean, I never wanted pets. We've got like four pets now. So she's definitely influenced me. I didn't want to own a house. We own a house. So she definitely influenced me. And I do remember in times that we argue that I, I nurture fondness and admiration. I do try to do that because I know one thing is right. you never want to feel contempt towards your partner. And that, that's, mm. I think that's one of the ways the Gottmans, they see couples talk to each other. And if there's any contempt, that's how they could tell it's not going to work out. What do you mean by contempt? Like, they're, like one partner's just disgusted with the other one. Uh, so. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Oh, this was a good one. I don't know why I looked this up, but there's something called a Duchesne smile. And so if you, so I'm going to, I'll describe what it is in a second, but a Duchesne smile actually makes your brain feel less stressed. So a Duchesne smile has been shown to reduce stress, even if you are faking a Duchesne smile. So what's a Duchesne smile? A Duchesne smile is where your cheeks are raised. So your mouth, your lips are forming a smile and there is the appearance of so like your mouth corners are up like a smile that's the the raised cheeks and then there's the appearance of eye wrinkles because your eyes are also like smiling like you know how like if you're really smiling like maybe your eyes are a little squinting so you're there's the appearance of eye wrinkles and a Duchenne smile so your eyes are smiling and your mouth is smiling that's the easy way to say it i i felt like i'm asian so my, my eyes always has wrinkles no 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 first off asians don't wrinkle at all um but <laughs> That that is a fair. Even though you're Asian, you might not be able to get away with saying that. So I could get away with saying a lot of things about Jews, but some things I got to be careful about. So think of it as a shortcut. If your eyes are smiling and your mouth is smiling, that's a Duchenne smile. But what's interesting is not only has a, a legit Duchenne smile been shown to reduce stress, but even if you're faking it, it'll reduce stress. So this is one of those scientific studies why. where it actually seems like it could be useful. Like if I'm feeling stressed. Just pr just practice a Duchesne smile and see if it makes you less stressed. If anybody's listening to this podcast, write on Twitter if a Duchesne smile makes you feel less stressed the next time you're feeling stressed. And non-Duchesne smile, by the way, 
is just when your mouth corners are raised, but your cheeks aren't raised and your eyes aren't um, smiling. So, so that's the Duchesne smile. And uh, I guess the final one I'll talk about here is this is an email I got earlier today. And it says literally this, hi, James, would you be interested in Dr. So-and-so, one of the world's leading authorities on artificial intelligence and the pioneer behind blah, 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 appearing on your podcast, the XX podcast, to discuss the massive progress being made with an AI development. So it actually does say the XX podcast. It doesn't say the James Altucher show. Wait, 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 wait. So like you're not censoring the podcast name. It literally just say XX podcast. Right. I did say, okay, yeah, right. I did say censor the name and censored what this person okay. created. But the letter actually says, would you be interested in this guy appearing on the XX podcast? And the XX podcast is in bold. So like really emphasizing, it's almost like a slap in my face. Like not only are we not going to say the name of your podcast, we're going to just call it the XX podcast. But we're going to put it in bold. So you really notice that we completely are not paying attention to you at all. But can you still have this guy where, where I mean, this guy is paying them. This is a PR firm. So this guy is paying them something like 20,000 a month to get him on podcasts. And this is the letter that they're sending out. So my conclusion was most people just don't care about their jobs. I, I, I got to say, I get this type of uh, email all the but time. But do they say the yeah, XX podcast? Say, or they say, I mean, I get like form letters that say, but they still say the James Aldrich show. Right, right, right. I think I got like XX podcast one. Not, not XX podcast, but like some other people's podcast name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen you know, hey, would you like him to appear on the Jordan Harbinger show? Um, so, um, but usually I get like, I could tell they're just filling in the name. because uh, uh, right. Or, you know, I'll get something like, oh, I noticed you have a very interesting blog. I would love to be a guest writer on your blog. And so clearly they never researched my blog, which has zero guest writers on it. So, uh, you know, so I wonder oh, if oh, the people care about what they do most of the time. Oh, they would just say like, hey, I, I really enjoyed the episodes. <laughs> which episode? Yeah, yeah. If you say which episode, forget it. Yeah. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? Well, with almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for both students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and their proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? 
Yes, I definitely gonna use him from now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy, James. I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. The other thing I was researching was, you remember we had the Stephen Kotler on the podcast a few weeks ago? Of course. And, and he talked about peak performance and he talked about how it's very important to when achieving the flow state that after if you're tra- trying to achieve the flow state after the age of 50 you need to be really good at forgiving people and not holding grudges and i thought that was an odd thing like what does it have to do with anything and so i just did a little bit of research and he said also compassion meditation as opposed to focus meditation for whatever reason was significantly more likely to help people achieve a state of forgiveness and not holding grudges. And so I looked this up that basically when you are forgiving, they did like a brain scan. They could see when you're forgiving, as opposed to people who were not forgiving, like, so they compared people who were having sympathy to people who are not having sympathy towards somebody. Apparently there's something called the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex. So the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, that is very active when you're in a state of feeling sympathy or forgiveness. And apparently when you're doing compassion meditation, the exact same dorsal medial prefrontal cortex is activated. So that's why if you spend a lot of time with compassion meditation, you'll be a person who's more likely to forgive. I wonder if that's a way to trigger it. By doing this compassion meditation. Right, but other than that, like could you like have like any medicine to trigger it or like just electricity? Yeah, you know, poke into your brain. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what like electricity, if they put like an electric pulse on that particular part of the brain, will that make you forgive people? I don't know. It sounds interesting. If if that's a thing, man, I if that's a like- I'll a, be wearing that like all day long. Electric, <laughs> I don't know. Do you ever, do you ever like wake up in the morning and like you're thinking about, someone who made you angry like 15 years ago and you're still thinking about it? Oh, yeah. I hold grudges. No, I, I don't hold grudges. But sometimes like it just pops into your mind, right? Like, yeah. oh, you just, oh, you you dream about them and then you woke up like, oh, that freaking guy, you know? Yeah, like that happens to me I more than I would like. Like I think of myself in general as a forgiving person, but sometimes, you know, particularly when you put yourself out there with, and maybe this is true for everyone, but over the past 30 years, I've put myself out there with my writing, with my podcast. I've made a lot of friends through that. Many more friends than enemies. I would say it's a 95-5 ratio, which is why you know I've been able to sell books and have a podcast and so on. But every now and then, someone who doesn't like something I say knows how to press the right buttons. And maybe I know them or I used to know them and I did them a favor at some point and now they're saying these mean things about me. And it, I feel like this has happened to me more lately than in the past. And I, it's hard for me to sometimes forgive, but I try really hard. But, you know, so since I've been reading about this, I've been doing more compassion meditation. So with compassion meditation, one form of it, there's many forms, but one form of it is you think of the person who, you ha- who you're having trouble forgiving and you, maybe you think of all the things why you could sh- you should be and could be compassionate towards that person. Like you don't know what's going on in their life and there's many good things about them and we're all human after all and we all go through things that we're angry about and, and on and on. So um, 
I also felt like the older you get, the easier you forgive people. It's just been in the past few years. I've had uh, a hard time, right. a harder time with it. I'm, I'm glad that you forgive me. I all forgive the time. you all the time because you're constantly screwing up. But you know, I know. I you know, ever since I found you, like you know, just begging for money and the as a legal I, alien. I, I don't know any English and stuff. Yeah, just, you didn't know any English. I I I brought you onto the podcast, taught you English, and you're still messing up occasionally. But I I forgive you. English is my third language. That's why. So, oh yeah, because you know Malaysian. Yeah, I know is, Malay. Is Malay very English different from Malay. Chinese? This is a stupid question. Yes, yes, it's uh, Malay. It's close. It's funny. Malay is closer to Spanish. Really? Than uh, what do the yeah. letters look like? It's literally just alphabet. English and Spanish. Uh, why is it alphabet like? without a special symbol? Um, I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's really far from England, for instance. Well, we were con. We were. Um, oh yes, yeah, totally the we alphabet. How did this happen? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, we were, we were, we were, we were common. We are a Commonwealth country, so we were conquered by uh, British before. But I don't know why is it alphabets. Oh yeah. Like that's no special symbol. Like listen, in Spanish you have like special. But how symbols, come English right? like, though isn't one of your main languages? English is the second one. Uh, oh, did you learn English? Because yeah, yeah. Of oh, course. Okay. Um, yeah, because you, you know we have like, like a lot of different races. Sorry? You don't sound like it though. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't sound like it because English. Because we are in the limbo, right? We love American movies, we love Western movie, whatever. But we have to learn British English too. I see. So we're in the limbo. So we have, we have, we try to combine both, and then we also Chinese. We have Chinese accent as well, and then we have Malay accents as well. So it's it's like a whole mixture of different accents together, and then you have Malaysian. Accent. I see the the arrival. Of, I'm reading on Wikipedia the arrival of European colonial powers. Brought the Latin alphabet to the Malay archipelago. Wait, Malaysia is an archipelago? I guess I guess Malaysia is because there is like some island around the peninsula that's Malaysian, but but I don't know if that matters as, as much. Yeah, well there it is. To become one. That's the last thing we're gonna learn today. <laughs> we're not yes, about Malaysia. So overall and, and also a trivia is uh, when Japan invade Malaysia. They invade Malaysia on the bicycle. You're kidding. Malay is that easy to take yeah. over? <laughs> Everybody, well, it's take, because they all are... leave the tanks at home. We don't need them. Just on your back. <laughs> well, the, the, the reason why is because on the karate, uh, British... they all watch the karate kid. <laughs> but they're Japan, Japanese. But uh, what happened is I think that's a US uh, air base in Singapore. They don't want to alert them, so they don't want to fly. Airplane and the one to have like a tank. So they how they get their bicycles there? Bicycle. They're, they're right. Bicycle is quiet. Wait, isn't Japan to itself tank. an island? Uh, this shows my I'm a complete idiot on geography. Yep, yep. I think I think they took over something and then they 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 bike down. I see. So they brought all their bicycles to some other place in their empire. Yeah, and then rode their bicycle into Malaysia and took over. Yeah, they took over one by one. Yeah, into Malaysia. Hold on. I think they were in Malaysia for eight years or something. Yeah, and they invaded on December eighth, nineteen forty-one, the day after Pearl Harbor. Man, they they had a busy week that week. <laughs> Let's okay this week. Like I say, this week I'll write one article and do a podcast. They were like, this week we're going to be the first country to bomb North America, and we're also going to invade Malaysia the day after that, and start World War Two. Yeah, and on a bicycle. On bicycles. Man, they yeah. were crazy in a good way, meaning they're kind of creative. <laughs> right. I'm not saying I mean, they did of... those things for anybody who wonders, but it's crazy. Let's let's invade. They had a lot of nerve. Let's put it that way. They had a lot of a lot of bravado. And then they they there are tons of like propaganda going then too that that helped them the case, I believe. Mm. Like there's a lot of Chinese people that help them, you know, invade China, and a lot of like you know, and then it, that's how they can slowly go to uh, Malaysia, right on to Malaysia. Well, it didn't work for them. It didn't work out for the Japanese, and now 
Nope. You were able to grow up in a non-Japanese Malaysia. So yeah, though I always watch Japanese anime and cartoons. I do too. Go, maybe because they invaded Pearl Harbor. I got I love anime. So <laughs> what are the things we learned? Birth rate below replacement rate. The uh the odds of dying from various accidents. Gottman's seven principles for making a marriage work. What part of the brain controls forgiveness? Uh and the Duchesne smile reduces stress, even if you fake it. Most people don't care about their jobs. And we learned some interest. I didn't know December 8th, the day after Pearl Harbor. This is like pretty amazing date for me then. Like December 7th, they Japan had a very big day, but they just did not rest. Right. Got to learn how to take a rest yeah. and you won't have World War II. That's why four hours work week is so important. Four day work week. By the way, I'll throw out something. I'll just leave it on an inspirational note, which is according to Scott Barry Kaufman, he's a psychologist of creativity. Creativity is the intersection of intelligence and imagination. I like that. All right, Jay, thanks so much for doing this podcast with me and everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Tweet out some of the things you learned today. I'd love to know because I'm always trying to learn new things. Thanks very much, everybody. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.